Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, co-host Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. And coming to you from rural Virginia, I am JP Miller. Welcome to the show, guys and girls. Today is episode 117. JP 117, um, we're going to go off the grid just a little bit on this one. This, dear listeners, is going to be a little bit different than our regular show. This uh, quote-unquote is going to be our road race show. We essentially do that corporate policy here at the Fast Brackets podcast to talk about road racing every 117 episodes. So here you go. Uh, We had to sneak it in. Like That's that's what we have to do. Uh, J- JP, um, you good with that? You good with the corporate policy? I'm, I'm on board. I love road racing. I, uh, actually, um, I kind of, when I grew up watching any form of motorsports I could find, uh, remembered like the American sports cavalcade or whatever they called it. Oh yeah. Um, that channel, it was on the, it was on the Nashville network, but it was like, they had everything. They had drag racing, they had monster trucks, they had road racing, they had, uh, swamp buggies, which are the coolest thing in the world. So, and then ESPN always showed like the, the, the GT car. So I always stayed up late when everybody else went to bed and would watch GT car. So I, I kind of, I have a little bit of a, a, a special place in my heart for road racing. So yeah, that, I'm, um, I'm on board with it. I get it. And Pay attention to that. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about GT racing here later in the show. So I'm glad you brought that up. But uh, the thought process behind this is really a couple things. We have a, a great guest coming on to talk about that has a little has some real world experience about this. Um, but the other thing is, I think every so often it happens. We are, you know, we're in our own world. We are trying to make the car faster. We're trying to make the car more consistent. We're trying to do what we do in our respective class. And I think sometimes we can forget that there's a big world out there and there's people across the pond that are thinking and, um, you know, have the same thoughts, emotions, you know, uh, angst and, and desires that we do. They just happen to go in around corners sometimes. And, but we are in a big fraternity, a big one when it talks about, drag or racing in general across the world it's a big fraternity and we cannot forget that when it comes to um, all kinds of things i mean for instance um and i say this every so often and i don't say these stats because another thing came out this week jp 
and I think you know where I'm going with this, another piece of data came out. And I say this not so that our listeners will go and get in the ear of every tree hugger that uh, they run across. But if you are attacked ever for being a drag racer, and I mean this ever, then and the other person that comes at you has um, an ability to have a rational conversation, then you want to have dad on your side. So here's what it is. We've talked about in the past, we've talked about volcanoes. We, in the past, we have talked about commercial fishing. In the, in the past, we've talked about uh, industrial CO2. Here's another piece of data that came out this week. Um, this is by temperature.global. And this measured global temperature from January 2015 through May of 2023. And get this, JP, what do you think? Think the global temperature went up like all our politicians said? Or do you think it went down? I would say it did exactly the opposite of what any politician would ever tell you. (laughs) Precisely. So according to temperature.global, uh, the minute-by-minute minute average global temperature um, has a downward trend of 0.296 degrees Celsius um, over that span of January 2015 to May 2023, and despite an increase in industrial area uh, era CO2. So the point of all this is not so that you can go running in the face of anybody who, you know, you might deem uh, somebody who could, will argue with you. Let's not get into arguments, but let's have data. Let's have facts on our side if and when we're attacked. And so that was the point of that. And it happened again, JP. There's more data coming out. Um, and we're in a big group. We're in a big fraternity worldwide that really enjoys uh, motor sports in general and has a passion for it so we have to be able to defend ourselves when it comes to that do we not absolutely um the motorsports world is is a big world like you said but at, at, as a whole when you look at everything we're competing against it's a small world so we all have to band together because we all love competing in automobiles or we love competing in whatever has some kind of engine internal combustion engine in it and there are people and i've said this before that are trying to take this away from us so you have to be mindful of that it's not just it's not just well i just worry about me you have to look at you have to look at everything and and as a as a whole worldwide the motorsports community should band together and you know fight this stuff just as hard as they fight to take it away from us and lobby just as hard as they lobby to take it away from us that, that's exactly right. Um, and so we have to have we have to have information on our side. And, and I think we're providing that when we can, at least on this show. And hopefully you remember that. Take it, you know, take it in stride, take it, um, have it with you. So on the on the chance that people attack us for, uh, you know, burning oil, then we've, we've got a little data on our side and we can defend ourselves correctly. Speaking of defending ourselves, uh, JP, you're getting ready to rock and roll at the PDRA this weekend. Are you not? Yes, sir. I am. I got almost everything done. I just got to put the car in the trailer and hook up and we're going to roll out Wednesday evening and uh, head to MIR and see if we can make something happen this weekend. Um, 
I'm excited. I haven't actually had the car out to an actual race. I've been testing a, a couple times, but I haven't actually went to a race yet this season. So this will be my first time actually competing. So kind of got a tall task ahead of me. I got to get there. I got to get it qualified and then see if I can uh, see if I can make some noise. But I'm up for it. Um, I'm excited. And either way, win, lose, or draw, it's going to be a good time. So looking forward to this weekend. I like it. And the rumor is that the Skull Crusher has a new tune-up in it. So I think uh, I think we're uh, pretty optimistic going in, aren't we? Yeah. Um, I got a little bit of, of a little bit of little bit different tune up and um i got i got some help on the suspension i think so uh we're gonna we're gonna test on thursday and see if we can um see if we can see if we can put together some competitive numbers so i'm looking forward to it i like it i like it well uh i won't be racing this weekend but um i'll be rooting for you and uh, rooting on everybody else um uh, but, uh, go, good luck. Good luck to you and the skull crusher at the PDRA. Also, I wanted to say, uh, if you're at PDRA and, uh, you see me or you come by wherever I'm parked at, I will have a, um, I will have a, uh, a deal where you can scan to download the win like bets app. If you want to, if you want to, if you haven't downloaded yet and you listen to the show, first of all, what's wrong with you, but <laughs> If you haven't and you want to download it this weekend, I will have the little uh, barcode deal there so you can download it when like that's at. The QR code, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, the uh, QR code. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are we are uh, coming up on some some major announcements. I'm really excited about what we're going to do for Winlight Bets here the rest of the summer. But uh, yeah, appreciate some of your patience with us as we um, you know take you know what is step two in this thing, kind of go from 60 foot to the 330 mark. But uh, JP, um, that said, we have a couple of great guests. I mean, great guests for our listeners this week. First of all, coming on to do her uh, semi-regular, what we're going to call the single cylinder report, is Victoria Beamer. And she's awesome. You guys know her from being on the episode uh, or the show Previously, she's going to give us a background on you know how her summer has gone and junior dragsters in general, and then we've we've got a really just a cool cool guest. Um, his name is Angus Locke, and Angus is one of the world's most foremost experts on aerodynamics in race cars. His I'll let him tell it, but he is. Uh, highly qualified, has done a lot of work in F1, Le Mans, uh, funny car bodies. Um, really a sharp guy. And I think for all of us trying to find, you know, just a little bit more mile per hour or whatever it might be, sometimes um, that is consistent. That's the most the easiest way to be consistent, right? Is have an aero package or a chassis that gets you a little more mile per hour or get you a little faster. So that's consistent mile per hour and uh, consistency that maybe you can pick up when we talk with Angus Locke coming up. I'm really excited. This is guys, this is going to be a great episode. It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, the We're going to talk some F1. We're going to talk some Lamaze. We're going to talk some Isle of Man. But guys, girls, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, 
work on that old heap. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. J.P. Miller, huge, huge news this week for top sportsmen and top dragster fans, um, and also some some 90 class uh, fans as well. But the IHRA making a major announcement this week um, that they are coming out with what they're calling the Hot Rod Classic. And the Hot Rod Classic is going to be like uh, the former Pro-Ams and whatnot that they IHRA used to run in that they will have top sportsmen, top dragster, their quick, hot, and super rods. And then um, they are also adding a couple other classes, which I don't quite have enough details on. One is Real Street, No Time, and the other one's a mystery class. But for our listeners, for our fans, the big news that top sportsmen and top dragster are making a triumphant return to the IHRA, how big a deal on a scale of 1 to 10 is this for us as a sport in the top sportsmen and top dragster classes? I think it's a 10. I, I'm excited, Rex. I mean, uh, I remember the old IHRA days, and let's not forget where top sportsmen and pro mod and all of that came from. So um, it came from IHRA, in case y'all didn't, you know, if y'all <laughs> right. didn't, didn't remember, that's where it came from. So I'm excited to see it back, uh, excited to see what the future holds. Um, I'm always for giving our guys and girls more places to race. I know some people feel like, oh, there's too many places, but to me, there's never too many places. Uh, I think the more options you give people, I think it, it could get some cars off of the sideline. Um, it could get some people who are leery about going to other places because maybe they feel like they might not be as competitive there. It could get them, you know, back in the game. So I'm definitely excited, and I kind of came up running IHRA, so uh, <laughs> kind of holds a special place in my heart as well so i would i'm i'm happy to i'm glad i'm looking forward to 2024 to see what they have in store yeah i don't i don't think we have a lot of details as of yet right i mean it's um it, they made a post on facebook it, it kind of went wild that way um we will do this in the next uh, coming weeks we will get a ihra representative to come on the show and talk a little bit about what the plans are um give them an opportunity but but from our purposes, I mean, the fact that top sportsmen and top dragster will be the show headliners, um, it, well, I don't know, potentially some of that no-time stuff, I suppose, is headliner depending on who shows up, right? I mean, a Daddy Dave or whoever shows up. But Listen, the, I don't care if it's Daddy Dave <laughs> or who it is. Top sportsmen and top dragster are going to be the headliner. Uh, I ain't worried about Daddy Dave. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. You heard it here first. Um, that's the point though, is the top sportsmen and top dragster become the headliners again. And truthfully, it, it's, it's just good. I mean, I, and from, from our standpoint, obviously we're, we're big homers when it comes to these classes and that's great. Um, but, but to your point, I think it, it probably does drag some cars out that maybe, you know, maybe have been sitting idle because they go, man, do I have the ability to take four days off to go run the PDRA or an NHRA divisional um, for that standpoint or national event for sure. Um, you know, or 
you know, we'll just we'll just have to see how it shakes out. I mean, I don't know. Like we obviously um, wish the best, and we don't have a lot of details. Again, um, we don't know how many of these hot rod classics are going to be. We don't know where they're going to be at. We don't know if these are um, sixteen car fields, thirty two car fields. It does appear they're going to be all eighth mile. Is that right? I think the majority is going to be eighth mile. I I kind of looked at their post and there were some people asking questions and IHRA was responding where they could. And they said, you know, maybe at the tracks that could support quarter mile, they may do some quarter mile stuff. So I think all of that is up in the air, but I think it's going to be predominantly eighth mile, which um, I kind of grew up eighth mile racing, so I don't have an issue with it. I know a lot of people like to stretch them out on a long track and nothing's wrong with that, but you know, they got to, they got to crawl before they walk. So, you know, let's let them, let them, let them get it going and, uh, let's see where it goes. And, you know, if, if it's something that you feel like you want to do, go support it. I'm, I'm, I want to see every organization in every series thrive. Right. And, and that's what we need to, as, to survive as motorsports enthusiasts. We need, we need healthy series. We need every series surviving, every series thriving, and we need fans. That's the things we need, guys. So that's what everybody has to remember. I agree. Yeah, this seemingly is a good step to that. I mean, the thought the whole time when Larry Jeffers bought IHRA was that you know, he was going to bring back a pro mod and heads up type stuff. I mean, that's because that's what he builds, right? That's what he, he really focuses on in his shop. Um, that, you know, that didn't transpire early, but maybe that's where we're getting to is more of a, a show. And maybe he's got a plan that, you know, we just don't know about. And this is the first step in that. So I'm, I'm hopeful that all the associations, you know, uh, figure it out and have good success. But this is a big step. This is a big, big step for top sportsmen, top dragster racing, um, maybe across the country. I mean, you know, maybe it's, you don't have to, maybe if this is, um, you know, becomes a little more popular, sustainable, then you don't have people like Brian Laflam, Doug Crumliches feel like they have to move across the country to be in, you know, an area where there's there's a bunch of top sportsmen, top dragster racing. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it's going to be good um, for the sport as a whole. Um, so hats off to IHRA and Larry Jeffers for bringing it back. Uh, I can't wait to see where they're running at. I hope that there's some places that are reasonably close to me so I can try to go mix it up with them, but we shall see. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's good stuff. Uh, it's, it's kind of a really a thing like, hey, they made, made the announcement, more to come. We will do our best to uh, bring you the inside scoop with somebody from the IHRA um, admin here very soon to give us a little more detail, but I could not be more fired up. All right, JP, let's put this thing in the beams and we're going to do something we have never done before ever on the show. And that is make an honorary person um, a in the beams guest. And this that person today is Max Verstappen. He is the man, one of the all time greats, I believe, in F1 drive racing uh, history. He's He's at the top of the leaderboard, maybe the the number one points leader right now, I think, in F1. I should know that, but truthfully, I don't follow F1 all that much. Um, I may follow it a little bit more, especially since it's coming to Vegas here um, in the fall, but <clears throat> or winter, I should say. But listen, I, I, I came across this clip, and 
it fired me up. I mean, it just got me hyped, JP. So I'm going to set this up for you. I'm going to let you listen to the audio clip here. Um, it's on YouTube, uh, or sorry, YouTube and TikTok or whatever, whatnot. But the point of the matter is this. I'm going to set the stage for you, and then I'm going to let you listen to the audio, the in-car audio, because it is absolutely awesome. Um, we are at the Spanish GP um, Max Verstappen is in first place. He's going to the final lap. He's got a clear lead and his engineers and crew chiefs are telling him, Hey, take the easy route. Uh, let off the throttle a little bit, get yourself home. You've got a 17 second lead or something along those lines. All you have to do is not crash and you win this race. Do that. Please put this thing in the box. Let's go home. That is not what Max Verstappen does, and that's what has made him um, an honorary guest in the, in the beams today. My man says, hey, what's the track record? And you'll hear the engineer say, don't worry about it. Just take her easy. Come on home. He says, what's my fastest lap? They again say, here's your answer, but why are you asking? <laughs> Put this thing in the box. Bring it home. Shut this thing down. And what he does is he proceeds to put the hammer down. On the last lap, he gives the best lap of the race. It's the quickest time ever um, and proceeds to destroy the uh, track record and um, against a lot of ill wishes on the Red Bull team. So I, I just thought it was super cool. And uh, again, I do not watch a lot of F1. Um, you know, it's not that I don't appreciate the technical expertise of those cars. I absolutely do. It's just, um, you know, it obviously straight line drag racing. It's, it's where my, my bones are in, uh, turning these corners. I, I just would never have the option to drive any of those cars. So they they don't have much of appeal. It's kind of a similar thing about me not having a lot in common with guys who can hit 90 mile an hour curveballs, you know, 400 feet. I don't have a lot in common with those guys, so I don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. But I'm going to play this to you now. JP, have you heard this before? Have you heard this, this Verstappen just, I mean, stroke of just straight up cojones? I have, and that's that's what you call just breaking their will, like just <laughs> make, just making them not want to even <laughs> making them not want to even come to the next race, man. I mean, it, it's all he he could have very easily backed his pace off and easily won, but that's the competitive side of this that people don't understand. And it, when you just like, all right, yeah, I got it in the bag, but uh, what else can I do today? Can I break the track record? Can I send, can I set the fastest lap? And it, 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 to me, it's awesome. I mean, I love to see guys out there going for it like that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, here it is. Um, yeah, he, he's going to go for it here, and this is absolutely awesome. So I, I hope this uh, the sound quality is good for you. So here we go. This is him um, essentially two laps to go talking with his engineer, uh, in the middle of the second last to go, and uh, so here we go. One, one, position one, position one. Okay, Max, that was a third stroke on uh, track limits. Where? To 10. You've now been given the black and white flag. You are 18 seconds ahead of Hamilton. Uh, no risks required, Max. Uh, 
It's a 16.6. It was a first lap on a new soft for Checo with the RS, so I won't worry about it, Max. Uh, what's my fastest lap? Yours is a 17.3. Uh, like I say, you've been given a black and white flag, so we cannot afford anything. A few moments later. Alex puts in the fastest lap of the race. Oh, so we we had to edit that a little bit just to speed it up. But what you got there was that engineer telling him, uh, Max, you've you've had three you know marks, I guess, uh, whatever that means from NF one terms. Um, bring this thing home, and my man says, absolutely not. I have the baddest car on the planet that I have uh, my hands on the wheel of, and guess what's going to happen? We're going to put it to the test. <laughs> and so he, <laughs> he goes and absolutely wrecks him on that last uh, lap. It's very, very cool. Very, very cool. He is... Um, He's won five races this year. He's won. Uh, he won fifteen last year. Um, I mean, they're just destroying people. And um, man, it, you can see why now, right? You can see absolutely why because he, he's letting it absolute rip. And and I would not say this about. I, I wouldn't have guessed. I mean, I thought, you know, that that isn't something a I follow a lot. But I just thought it was so so cool the way he just let it absolutely rip. So I, I like yeah, it, he, JP. Like I said, he could have easily just backed off and got the easy win, but it, it, he wanted to put a little something extra on it. And to your point about driving an F1 car, if they one, I don't think they make one that I could fit in. But <laughs> <laughs> right, but um, same. It would it would be cool. <laughs> it would be cool to take a lap in one of them things. But yeah, that's a. Uh, I mean, that's he, pretty cool, man. Well, he gets paid, I mean, millions upon millions of millions of dollars to drive that thing. And every single win is, again, tens of millions of dollars to that team. So for him to even go, yeah, I'm going to put us at risk, um, but I'm going to put the hammer down and I'm going to show you exactly how good I am. I mean, it it's not advisable everywhere. Like, it is not <laughs> advisable everywhere. No. But they, um I, I watched that show on Netflix, The Drive to Survive, a little bit. Okay. So I think they, like, they have ways that they can do stuff from, like, the pits to those cars to change the way they run. And it's crazy the technology that they have, but they, it, well, the, so the, I don't, I don't the driver, all of it. But. The driver can change all kinds of stuff in car while they're moving. Like, they can change shock, shock settings and they can change timing and, boost pressures and all kinds of stuff while they're driving. I mean, it, the the uh, steering wheels for those things are just fascinating. I mean, they've, they've got so many buttons on them. I mean, it's it's fascinating, right? We we think as bracket racers at Top Sports, we've got purge buttons and bump downs and bump ups, and we get a lot of buttons yeah, on our this, steering wheel. Oh, absolutely not compared to a F1. <laughs> this thing looks like uh, <laughs> it's got lights and stuff on it. Remember like a the old 80s movies where they had the big supercomputer. This is what this steering wheel looks like. It's oh, it's small. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. But I, I didn't know that Verstappen had it in him like that. But, man, I mean, the stones on that dude. I'm a fan. 
JP, I'm an absolute fan. Yeah, for him to go for it like that when he didn't have to, that's just that's just having a dog in you. <laughs> it's, it's stones, man. It's stones. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. For all your high-horsepower legal needs, Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is your man. Go get him if you need him. Uh, JP, let's talk a little bit of action that took place over the weekend. What can you tell us, my man? He rolled into uh, Bristol Dragway, um, and top dragster was on the card. Um, let's see, on the long shot, we had about 32, 33 cars showed up. Um, at the end of qualifying, Emily Novak took number one with a 608 at 232.95. So just screaming out the back door in that dragster. Did, um, do they give her the first? Do they give her the number one qualifier if she goes 608? Or do they warn her and then bump her back? Uh, according to. Um, according to what I've read, they she was credited with number one. Yeah, they, I, um, they, you know, Emily, see, think, Emily getting a speeding go, ticket there. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that a speeding ticket? I think that's the warning on that deal, and then you can't go quicker than six foot. I, no, I always I, get confused on that. I know um, exactly what happened. Is the NHRA on their website, and that's um, they they show the times, but they don't. They don't um, cross out anything that's under 610. So, Emily, we got to have you slow it down. Come on, slow it down. 610 is the minimum dial, ma'am. <laughs> that's what Victoria's going to so, be doing. Victoria's going to be doing that later. She's going to be going too fast. We already know this. Yeah. Anyway, so don't I'm let me interrupt you, JP. Don't let me interrupt you. Get, <laughs> get to the business. All right. So, all right. Well, at the end of the day, uh, in top drags, the Matt Sackman picks up his first national event win. Um, he was 002 on the tree, goes 618-7 at 217-88 on a 617 dial over Alden Miller, who was uh, 025 and goes 699-1 on a 698 dial. So congratulations to Matt Sackman for picking up his first national event. Wally, um, huge news for him. Um, and that was pretty much it from Bristol. Um, then we move on to the Midwest drag racing series. Uh, I don't have a lot of information as far as ET and qualifying positions. I can tell you in top dragster that Cody Moore defeated Jacob, Jacob McNeil, excuse me. And, and top sportsman, Michael Chitty defeated Dave Pierce. So that was Pretty much all the summary I had from Midwest. Um, there was not a lot else going on that I knew about this weekend, so that's kind of pretty much all of my recap. A um, little short this week, but that's what we had. Well, that's that's okay. That's we're we're getting in the heat of it now, and you know I think thirty three cars at a national event um, is a good showing for top dragster Bristol. That, that was good. Um, we'd like to see that. We'd like to have a bump spot, right? That's the whole thing. We need to have a bump spot at all these events. Yeah. It doesn't to me show off the class if there's no bump spot. And yeah. And I, I would, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. How do you encourage some of these uh, people to show up for national events more? Because the class could be so much 
awesomer. I don't know. We could, it could be more better if you ask Kurt Johnson. It could be more better um, if there were, you know, if people really understood, you know, there were all low six-second cars and all that stuff. And obviously Matt gets it done. 618, I think you said, from a dial-in standpoint. That is an awesome show. And um, we need we need more of that in the national event. That's all. That's a, that's what we need. Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that top sportsman, top dragster has and always been and always will be a qualified field. So um, I definitely like to see that. Uh, and and it makes it a little bit it makes it a little bit more special when you when you actually you know had to work a little bit to get the run. Absolutely, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll have more um, next week <clears throat> when we get uh, into heart of. There'll be PDRA to follow up on. There will be more NHRA action, and I believe the Midwest Drag Racing Series has got another event on their books here fairly soon as well. So um, now what we'll do is we will bring it to our girl on the scene, Victoria, for her single cylinder report, talking all about the junior dragsters, Victoria. Welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back on the show. We love having you. We really do. Um, you know, we got to do the live show down in or at PRI. We got to do the live show down in Bradenton. And um, mm-hmm. man, we are happy to have you back. Tell us what's been going on here lately for you from a racing standpoint. Well, we have been our main focus here lately has been running the PDRA. So we have been running that, you know. Um, we haven't. I haven't been on here since the World Series of Pro Mod. So since then, we have went. We have gone to Dilot Motorsports Park for the season opener for PDRA. You know, I qualified. I was their low qualifier there with a double O three, and I made it past first round and then second round. I just couldn't make it. But after that race, a lot changed. Um, when we went to Virginia. I tested on Thursday, and right off the trailer, Friday morning for qualifying, uh, my motor blew a whole chunk out of it. Um, It was just getting, we were getting ready to send it back in, and it was just done. So that, ever since then, we've been a little bit struggling. Um, But uh, overall, at Norwalk, I was a low qualifier again with the 001. But we have been struggling, so I couldn't make, make it past first round there. But going up into Maryland this weekend, we are going to be feeling pretty confident and hoping to have a good run. Have, all right. So a couple things to unpack there, Victoria. So first of all, you are absolutely killing the tree. Are you spending a lot of time on uh, practice tree work, or is it that just uh, you're focused in at the time? Kind of both. You know, I practice in our race shop. I practice on the road uh, with a pocket porter tree. I do a lot of practicing, and I devote a lot of time into it, as well as my crew chief, you know, we make sure the car is tuned in perfect, so whenever, so all our hard work back here pays off. So right. it's a little bit, it's a team, it's really a team effort. Yeah, no, but uh, you, you've got to do it, though, ultimately. Like, I, I appreciate yeah. <laughs> you saying, hey, it's a team effort, and I know you've got a good group with your your mom and dad and the whole the whole deal, but... You ultimately have to let go, and so nicely done from that standpoint. Number one qualifier is absolutely no joke, so you did it that way. Thank but you. you have struggled a little bit with just uh, engine setups, and 
and issues, I guess. But that's the thing, I think, that is really kind of fascinating with the junior dragster stuff is that because there's only one cylinder and, and you know, if that cylinder isn't right, it's a problem, right? We've got yeah. typically got eight cylinders. So if one goes bad, well, or, you know, even if one is just tiny bit off, it you know, like uh, there, mm-hmm. there's the other seven to pick it up, so to speak. So it's not a team yeah. sport when it comes well, to the junior dragster engines. Yeah, you know, even if one if even if one thing goes wrong, it to throw the whole thing off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if anything, like just the smallest little um, adjustment or something, it to throw the whole car off. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. Um, all right, so in addition to going number one and then just uh, struggling, have you a little bit in elimination so far? It feels like you've got some of those issues worked out. Uh, have you been testing? Mm-hmm. Have you been have you, and like kind of feel like you're you got the car the way you want it now? Um, you know, we do feel like we've got it the way we like you said. We do feel like we've got it the way we want it. You know, we we won't be sure until we're out there testing on Thursday, but we do feel pretty confident. You know, uh, we've made some more adjustments and just trying to get this new motor tuned in. Uh, that's really the main thing is just getting this new motor tuned in. So we're feeling, like I said, we're feeling pretty confident, but we still just have to wait and see for Thursday to see how it just all shakes out. Right. No, I get that. I get that. All right. Let's, um, uh, is there anything in the junior dragster world that we need to be aware of? Um, cause you know, I, it's been a long, long time since I've been able to fit into a junior dragster, Victoria. And so uh, yeah. a little bit out of sight, out of mind for me. Is there anything we need to know um, about maybe in the PDRA juniors or just the state of junior drag racing um, overall? Well, in PDRA, I will go over all of uh, the I'll go over all of the points right now. Awesome for okay. our top and pro. So our classic graphics top junior drags are presented by Philadelphia Racing Products. In our number one position, you have Wyatt Stanley. Number two, you have Nathan Toon. Number three, you have James Beattie. And number four, you have TJ Harvey. And number five, you have Rowan Parrett. That is the top five for our top junior dragster. For our pro junior dragster, the top five are Braden Davis, Danica Miles, Zach Shirky, Ethan Stedding, and Alyssa Tillman. So those those are the people that so far have had good starts to the year. Is that right? Yes. And yes. Yeah. you know, go ahead. Well, I just was going to ask you. I mean, um we become a pretty tight community out there. Um are the are those your friends as well? I mean, you guys are there every weekend. Have you have you been able to uh you know, do whatever kids do these days, um trade uh, Instagram accounts or whatever, and stay in touch with those those guys. Is there somebody you've become friends yeah. with on the road? Yeah, you know, I've met a lot of new people um, with the PDRA, and you know, I'll be I'll be um, friends off track. But when I get in my car and I'm on that track, um, you know, I'm all like, I am all in it to win it. You know, so I go. do. Yes, I have made new friends, but. You know, when I'm in that car, I have no friends, basically, you know. 
Guys, girls, if there was ever any doubt on why we love Victoria like we do, it's that right there. What she just said was, hey, I'm friends with everybody until the helmet goes on and then everybody for themselves. And guess what? Um, you know, uh, good luck to all of you, but I'm, I'm trying to rip your heart out. I love it, Victoria. I absolutely love that. That's the most awesome part of awesome part of the sport. You you can be cool with everybody back at the trailer, but when you when you put them put them in the beams, it's, it's time it's time to go. Exactly. <laughs> I uh, yeah, no, that's 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 good stuff. Um, well, very cool, um, Victoria. So you guys are headed to um, the PDR race this this weekend, and that's your plan, right? Is to follow the the series mm -hmm. for the rest of the year. Yes. And, you know, also, real quick, their PDRA has come out with a big change in their juniors. Um, for, like, just right now, you know, PDRA has come out with a big thing saying that if there are 29 cars entered, that triggers a 32-car field. That is a big thing that has happened also oh. in the junior world right now for the PDRA, is that if you have 29 cars entered, it automatically triggers a 32-car field instead of 16. Gotcha. Okay. So well. this, so when we were at Norwalk, you know, the pros, they got, like, they had a 32-car field out of, like, 40 cars. So that has changed a lot um, in our in our classes. All right. So give me your initial feedbacks on on that, um, because I I don't know. Like, I, I think what I would get from Tyler's standpoint and Tommy's standpoint, mm -hmm. they're doing it just like because it's a popular class. They want the class to grow. So, you know, they're, they're encouraging people to show up. How do you feel as a competitor? I mean, I don't mind it. You know, the more cars, the better, you know, the more competition, the better. I that's my point of view. Um, others maybe not so much, but I don't know why the reason they changed it. But you know, if we get if we get 29 cars, you know, I'll be happy with the 32 car field because you have more competition, and you know, you have to really work for it. You have yeah. to really work for that win. Yeah, I'm I'm with you um, as well. That makes perfect sense. I I haven't you know I haven't put my brain around that, but that's a good take. So. Um, I, Thank you for that. Um, before we we let you go, um, you know this other thing, and it just it just dawned on me. So uh, forgive me for asking you this, but I have seen these things out here, these junior um, door cars. Have you seen these? Have you seen the one that Antron Brown got in that is a kind of a center steer door car type junior dragster deal, and then the yeah, one that that's like the funny uh, cars. Right, the funny car, and then there's also one that is kind of a roadster version, which we we don't like to talk mm -hmm. about on this show <laughs> at all. <laughs> have you seen these yes, things out in those. competition? Yes. Okay, well, give us some no, thoughts so on those. I, so I have seen them, but have I seen them out in competition? No. Uh, I think they're I think they're still. I mean, a lot of people are still adapted to the original junior dragster. Like they're still adapted. You know, a lot has changed in them. You know, like they've changed them on the chassis and the body. But I think people are still really adapted to the actual junior dragster. So I haven't seen many of these. Acts. I haven't seen one in person. I don't, I mean, 
some people may change, but like I said, I think a lot of people will stay with the junior dragster because I think a lot of people are just adapted to the original junior. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, you, you know where JP and I are going to go with this, right? Door cars to the front. We, we know <laughs> yeah. that. You know that's how we operate. So, but we get it. And from a junior standpoint, uh, safety and all that that stuff, it makes perfect sense. I, uh, I have no affiliation or no, uh, you know, personal grief with. Um, the, the guy who developed the roadster left-hand steer roadster, but as far as I'm concerned, those can all be pushed off a cliff and never be heard from again. So, <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you how the uh, Dragon Drive project was coming along. What was that? Sorry, I was going to ask you how the Dragon Drive project was coming along. So. <laughs> Yes, we are working on uh, the car right now. Um, it's coming. It's right now. We're making. We're turning our focus to the PDRA, but we are working on that, and I'm super excited. So right now, we are putting that a little bit off to the side, but we're still working on it. You know, we're getting a new motor here soon for it. Um, so I'm super excited about that. But to answer your question, it is coming along, but right now we're just putting that. Um, it's going slower. Because our main focus right now is on our junior and the PDRA. All right. Well, you, you got a little while before you can drive anyway, so you don't need to get in a hurry. Yeah. Because right. you don't, yeah, your dad's exactly. take it from you. And... <laughs> All right. We already yeah. know. We already know. Dad's going to build it so he can get in there <laughs> yeah, just to you, test it. Yeah, make sure when it, you complete it right around the time that you get your driver's license so that you can say, no, Dad, you can't drive this. This is my car. I'm driving. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And remind our listeners, Victoria, how how old you are and how much time you have to go before this drag and drive car needs to be ready. Yeah, you know, um, right now I'm 11 and I turned 12 in November, but I still have about four years until I can actually drive legally, uh, drive a car, um, you know. So we still have a little bit to go um, on the car, and I think we'll get it done before – like, I'm at the age, but, you know, um, we're still going to just keep on working on it and just see how it turns out, and however time, however much time it needs, um, we'll just take our time on it and enjoy it. Most of all, like, enjoy it, doing it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Guys, girls, that was uh, Victoria Beamer um, with the Single Cylinder Report, which is a uh, Kind of a special um, deal we're doing inside the half-track report. So good, good stuff from both JP and Victoria this week. Guys, you um, you carried us. You you carried us. Um, I just I sat back and was uh, just along for the ride. So nicely done to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. That was the half-track report. Um, and uh, Victoria and JP Miller, if you need them. Whoa, let's get out of the groove big time this week, JP. We're going to keep this thing rolling, and we are going to talk um, really. I, I found um, this is an interesting conversation, and this is going to be something that I think our listeners are going to be highly engaged to. Um, I met our next guest um, at a PRI, Performance Racing Industry, event and i was fascinated with some of the stuff he was talking about so i had to bring him on 
please welcome to the show one of the world's foremost aerodynamic um, experts, Angus Locke. Angus, how are you today, my man? Great, thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for that kind introduction. Uh, really excited to uh, join the podcast and uh, chat with you. Well, we, you know, here at the Fast Brackets uh, podcast, we are about going fast. We are about going fast efficiently. And aerodynamics, you know, while is a big part of it, um, we don't talk a whole bunch about it um, enough, in my opinion. So maybe from your standpoint, you could just give our listeners a little background um, on you, where you're from, and kind of how you got to this point in your career, because it's it's pretty fascinating. Sure. Yeah, I was actually born in Africa, but lived in Britain for most of my life. Uh, moved to the United States 12 years ago and uh, really lo- loving living out here. Um, I went to college and studied aeronautical engineering and was really thinking that I would get into aircraft design, uh, but sort of pretty early on decided that if, if I went down that route, that that you end up designing a very small part of the plane. It's, it's very rare that in um, aeronautical engineering that you take responsibility for the whole project. And so when I graduated from college, I actually made a decision to join an automotive company called Tom Walkinshaw Racing, um, pretty well-known uh, motorsport company. They, they took Jaguar to Le Mans um, and, uh, and, and over here in the United States. And I joined as a test and development engineer, but really with the idea that I would be their aerodynamicist and would help them develop aerodynamics within the company. Uh, primarily because they were moving away from just doing automotive uh, motorsport projects and moving on to kind of traditional automotive engineering with with some of the big car manufacturers. Uh, so yeah, it, it, uh, that's kind of where I started, and um, I've been through multiple other roles since, uh, working with Myra, which is a well-known research organisation in the UK for the automotive industry, where I was in charge of. Uh, both the full-scale wind tunnel, the model-scale wind tunnel, and and the simulation activities, and and then moved out to, as I said, to the United States about 12 years ago, and have been in, involved in a you know a wide range of different projects over here, and kind of really enjoyed my my time uh, both on the motorsport side and and passenger car side. Yeah, that's a it's pretty that's a pretty big jump, right from. Let's call it the aer- uh, aeronautical world to the racing world, and from that standpoint, that's that's got to be pretty exciting for a young man to uh, to get right into that. Um, is how did like is that when you were like, oh okay, then uh, I want to check out the Indy Five Hundred and things like that that were going on here in the United States? Yeah, I guess uh, when I first started in in. Tom Walkinshaw Racing that, uh, you know, I was pretty green when it came to motorsport. <laughs> I, I really more into track and field when I was at uh, high school and I kind of was following Formula One a bit at the time because Nigel Mansell was doing very well. Um, and so, you know, that, that, was, that was definitely something that I was aware of, but I wasn't really uh, heavily engaged in motorsport. But when I got to TWR, even though I was primarily working on the road car, side of things. There was so much motorsport going on. We were doing Le Mans with uh, Nissan. We were racing the Volvo touring cars. We had a Formula One team. 
So that really kind of got me engaged. Um, and then we did actually, we did have a link with Indy back then because the uh, engines division of TWR were working on some of the IndyCar engines. Um, so, I, you know, that was really when my horizons expanded when it came to motorsport was, was that first job at TWR. That, very, very cool stuff. Um, so you, you mentioned Le Mans. Um, you, I think you've said you've done some stuff with uh, F1 teams in the past. Um, and then and then also you, you mentioned to me that you have worked on uh, some funny car bodies as well. Um, talk us through the, the different challenges that go from, you know, <laughs> something that is a brute force like a funny car compared to uh, something like a Lamar car that that needs to be able to corner efficiently and still be able to rip through, um, you know, rip through the wind as well. Yeah, so Lamar, obviously, I, I was uh, head of the team that um, designed the Ford GT that went back in 2016 and, and won Lamar uh, 50 years after it won first time uh, round and that was a really exciting project working with Multimatic and uh, both in the wind tunnel and also using uh, the CFD software and yeah you're you're really looking at efficiency there you're looking at um, low drag to try and reduce fuel consumption but plenty of downforce to help your cornering speeds and you're, you're generally targeting that downforce to kind of get the optimum uh, handling characteristics um, in, in both the high and low speed corners. Uh, you're looking at behavior under braking and, and mid corner and looking at the effective steering angle. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty complex um, sort of targets to be trying to achieve all at the same time. Whereas, as you say, with funny car, uh, well, for a start, it was a much smaller team. It was basically me that designed the car, uh, and then we kind of iterated a lot. I had a CFD engineer working with me, Todd, that did a lot of the work on that project, and, and we worked together and kind of iterated, and really we were focusing very heavily on on just reducing the drag. Obviously, those vehicles go so fast, but, um, and, and power goes up with the cube of of aerodynamic drag so uh, if you want to go faster then uh, you can't just throw more power at it. It, it it takes a lot more power than it does reducing uh, the drag coefficient so yeah focus very heavily on that but obviously also looking at, at uh, downforce as well to make sure the vehicle's stable but primarily looking at the, just a straight line performance and and trying to make sure that the, the lift balance or downforce balance is um, is optimized for, for those extreme conditions when you're accelerating down the track. Yeah, I would think with the 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 funny car body specifically that I know you had a lot of input in, there there's got to be um, some some point where you you know you want the wind to slip through, right? You want it to go through, but also create downforce. Um, mm -hmm. And and there's <laughs> there's probably um, some give and take, right, in in designing that and saying, hey, we're we're going to give up a little bit here so that we can keep this thing uh, going straight and and not just driving right through the shocks or whatever it might be, or, or not shocks on those things, but through the axles and tires and all that stuff. Um, how much back and forth 
do you go or does the wind tunnel pretty much tell you exactly what you can do? So that project was, we did most of the early development using computational fluid dynamics, using simulations. Uh, and we started off um, with something that looked a lot more like a Camaro. <laughs> so obviously <laughs> Chevy, Chevy want us to make something that looks like the road car. Uh, but you look at most of the, the funny cars, they all end up a fairly similar shape. Right. Um, but we'd, we'd taken a look um, at the other vehicles that were out there, we had some experience. Um, ALC, the company I was working with, uh, we we worked on the Ford funny car previously, so we had some knowledge about what worked well. Um, but yeah, we took a look at those cars, and I really sort of started with uh, a blank sheet of paper in the sense that I took the Camaro and and, and morphed it to, to to make as optimum an aerodynamic shape as possible. And uh, yeah, initially at any rate, it was almost entirely focused on on trying to reduce the drag uh, and so it was shaping that front end you know that kind of swooping hood line uh the very very rounded front end it was looking at the shape of the, the wheel arches to, to let the air out of the wheel arches and uh, and the shape of the the canopy as well obviously fitting that round um the, the roll cage the safety structures um and then, you know, the, the, the motor is uh, one of the biggest things that you have to accommodate when you're designing that. So, uh, again, trying to tie in the design of the uh, the intakes for the motor uh, with the canopy. Um, and then at the rear of the car, you're kind of constrained by, uh, as with a lot of motorsport series, with, with regulations and things. Um, but, yeah, that was, a, that was an interesting one because you know, where we started off, at least initially, was was quite close to, to a, a Camaro, and then, and then very quickly, as you would imagine, kind of ended up being a lot more slippery in shape. Yeah, is that is that your natural instinct? Is just to, I mean, being this is your, uh, you know, this is your profession, this is your passion. Is your instinct just to make everything a raindrop? Like, is it just to to forget the <laughs> the symbols and the headlights and all that stuff and just make it a raindrop so we can get through and, and go faster? Uh, well, I mean, I, I work a lot in road cars, and, and there you have to be much more careful that you're you're working with the design studio because you know people with road cars they buy them uh, based on their looks as much as their performance, and so I, I'm ca I'm careful. I'm probably more careful than towards the end of my career now that it does look good as well um but obviously motorsport is different you know it, motorsport performance is king and so that's why i say that we started off with something that looked like a camera and fairly swiftly moved away from it we, we really just had to demonstrate to chevy the reasoning behind why we were shaping it the way we were and the best way of doing that was starting off with something that looks like a, a road car and and then showed them the huge jump in performance when we started um, making it more slippery. Uh, and, and it doesn't always end up as a teardrop. You know, we, we are also looking for downforce as well, and, and a teardrop won't necessarily give you that. Um, so we kept it like a high, high deck lid at the rear to, to help give us um, extra downforce. And, um, yeah, kind of focused on the, on the shape to... To give you that compromise between between drag and downforce, uh, you know where I am looking at more of a teardrop shape is say the the land speed record work that I've done in the past. So uh, I, 
think I still, I haven't checked this prior to the podcast, but I think I still uh, have the diesel land speed record with one of the projects I worked on, which was JCB Diesel Max. Um, and that really was just entirely about trying to get low drag. There was, there was no real concerns about downforce or anything with that. Um, because we were just targeting that, that high speed. And uh, so, yeah, that, that was all about just making it a teardrop and just trying to fit it around everything that had, had to sit inside the vehicle. So there were, there were two motors in that vehicle, uh, you know, huge, huge fuel tanks and ice tanks to, to cool it. And, uh, and, then, and then it was just trying to make as uh, a slippery a shape around that as you possibly can. Whereas with like the Ford GT and, and the Camaro Funny Car, it's, it's about always about trying to find that balance between downforce and drag yeah i was going to ask you like on the on the on the road race project you did or the the gt is i'm sure you coordinated with a lot of other people as far as the other systems on the car and getting it to you know like you said you're focusing on downforce and, and low drag but are, are there any times where you may maybe don't optimize it as much as you could because you know it has to slow down to go through a corner or how does that work yeah so there's a, there's a whole bunch of things i mean obviously we have to just fit it around everything that's inside the vehicle so that you know with the gt we were looking at uh, the basic cockpit and the um, where the motor sat behind behind the driver, um, and and then you're trying to shape the vehicle around that. Uh, with GT specifically, that was working more closely with the uh, design studio because that that car is obviously sold as a a track car. I wouldn't really call it a road car as well. Um, but then yeah, we're looking at we're looking at brakes uh, and making sure that the brake cooling works okay. We're looking at uh, the radiator and other heat exchangers at, uh, at the front of that vehicle um, to make sure that the powertrain cools effectively. And and then obviously that was a, a turbocharged engine. And so we had some very hot engine components um, that we had to keep cool as well. So yeah, especially in motorsport, cooling is one of the other big areas um, that we focus on a lot. And that's where, again, um, Using the computational fluid dynamics software that I use, um, you know, I work for Engis and we produce the the Helix and Elements CFD software that 60% of the Formula One grid use. They don't just use it for for looking at the aerodynamics; they also look at it, use it for looking at thermal management as well. Um, and so that's probably the, I would say, the second biggest area. Um, but then, you know, you're obviously looking at uh, the regulations is a, the other big thing with any motorsport category and trying to figure out how you can do as much as you possibly can with the regulations. So I've worked a little bit in NASCAR and obviously you kind of get a feel for these templates and, and how you can literally bend the body to fit the <laughs> templates but also do, do what you want to do. Um, and it's kind of similar with these other series as well. It's not quite so physical but you know we're not literally bending the body the way that NASCAR does <laughs> but we are sh shaping the body to kind of meet the regulations but but only just so do you so, do you have some conversations with the sanctioning bodies then about hey can we do this and you know you might have put this rule in place for some reason but man if you would let us do this it it would be a big deal do you have any of those conversations or are they pretty much uh just go do your thing and, and don't bother us. 
Yeah, no, that's a big part of it. So once we, um, with the funny car, for example, once we finished the simulation work using elements to design the body, we then built a model scale vehicle that we took into the wind tunnel here in um, Indianapolis, and we were doing development in there. And, and the, the funny car um, governing body were they they had people at most of those tests, if not all of those tests. I can't quite remember actually, but. But yeah, a lot of those tests, they had people come along and take a look at the vehicle and um, make sure that it fits the, the kind of letter of the regulations when it comes to some of the safety areas and the prescribed aerodynamic devices, but also that it kind of looks and feels like it fits in that series. Um, and, it, and it's surprising how much that uh, aesthetic, that, that look and feel uh, is is part of the regulations. So mm-hmm. I, I've seen that with Funny Car. You know, it had to look like a, it had to have, had the feel of a Camaro, even even though it obviously is nowhere near the shape of a Camaro. <laughs> right. Um, same with NASCAR, uh, and then I worked on touring cars back in the UK, uh, back in Britain, uh, that had, had exactly the same kind of problems where you you make some changes that are still strictly speaking within the rules, but they're like, oh, that doesn't look quite right. So you're going to have to change that. Yeah. And you are going to argue those and some you win and some you lose. Yeah. Make, makes sense. When you, when you go through the design process, as far as the idea, the design, um, you build it and then you get into the testing phase how many times have you had something that you might have thought this is going to work pretty good and then once you go to test it it doesn't work and i guess what i'm trying to say is with so many moving parts throughout that process how do you go back and figure out if it's your design or if it's just because it doesn't work well with like say what the suspension is doing at that moment or what the engine is doing at that moment um what i guess ballpark what would be the design from what would be the time from paper to actual practical application where you can put it on the track and and run it oh well yeah that varies <laughs> wildly i would say <laughs> mainly depending on budget um so, okay. I, yeah so, i mean like i i've worked with especially back in britain i worked a lot with little um race series uh, where people are racing on a real budget and we would they would literally just come into the wind tunnel with their actual car uh, we would spend a few hours with them make some suggestions and they would literally take it out back onto the track and start racing it so it can be that immediate and and that in a way puts more pressure on you because you have to get it right first time because they're paying for like four hours in the wind tunnel and they're spending a lot a big chunk of their budget on that and so they want you to to deliver and, and there's a, that was that was exciting but also quite challenging and I, I quite enjoyed that um, and then you know at the opposite end there was like the Ford GT program where we were thinking about that more than a year before the, the car ever appeared um, almost two years I think before the car ever appeared and so that actually in a way gives you a bit more freedom you 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 get to explore a lot more in the design process early on and and kind of figure out using simulation um whether things are working or not working and then you get to the wind tunnel and you you get to spend a lot of time in the wind tunnel a lot of shifts in the wind tunnel 
uh, and making sure that the stuff is working and then it goes to the track and you get feedback from the drivers and um, and so yeah in, in a way those programs are actually easier from that perspective but obviously they're also programs where they're spending millions of dollars and so they want to make sure that they're getting the absolute best so uh, yeah it, it, it can be either I can I can literally go into a wind tunnel with a car and and stick some bits of plexiglass or aluminum on the, on the car and make it make a difference within a few hours or or I can spend years on it and, uh, and I enjoy I really enjoy both approaches to be quite it's pretty fascinating right. stuff very fascinating stuff yeah. Angus um let me ask you this and you've been very gracious with your time but let me ask you this Let's take the average, what I would I would call a road course car that you've worked on, say for Lamar or whatever. I think those are from a body standpoint are as close as we're going to get to what we do. Where where mm-hmm. is like one uh, part of the car that the average racer just is <laughs> totally missing the boat on? Is there something that half the cars you you walk up to and you just go, listen, let's start here. That's that's always the you know the something that is maybe counterintuitive. Is there anything like that when it comes to aerodynamics that we're just we're just missing in a general sense? Yeah, definitely. Uh, cooling is op- is often a really big one, especially mm-hmm. with those kind of little projects that I was doing back in the UK that I was talking about. Uh, people would come in and you know, they've obviously thought they've got wings on the car or, or spoilers on the car and they might have a front splitter on the car. So they've, they've kind of looked at the obvious aerodynamic things, but but then the cooling, you know, it would all just be dumped into the engine bay and that can actually generate a lot of lift, which cancels out your, your mm. front downforce. And so it, it's it's not an obvious one that people think about, but it, it, it's also a relatively cheap and easy one um, in that if you just make sure that you're ducting from the front fascia to the to the irradiator and that's all nicely sealed and then you try and get that airflow out of the engine bay um, either through louvers or, or, or ducts that take it out um, that will that will make a big difference to to both your drag and your uh, front downforce numbers and and that's something that people often miss and then the other one i would say is is looking at your wheels and tires which is kind of obvious with open wheel cars like Formula One and Indy, um, but even on on more of the closed body cars like Le Mans, or funny cars or, or, or road course cars, as you say, um, the wheels and tires generate a huge amount of drag. And so you can make some relatively small changes, especially around the front wheels. And, and that has quite a big impact on, on your overall aerodynamic performance. So those are probably the two areas that I would say go away and think about those if you're thinking about making some aerodynamic changes to your car. Makes perfect sense. Um, Wow. That's a very fascinating stuff. I think, you know, we, we all like the looks of our car. We like the versions that we have, but we also always want it to go a little faster and be perform a little better. (laughs) So, you know, we've all got a little bit of that in us where we go, man, how, what can we do to make this thing a little better and, in theory, the aero stuff would be very consistent, right? It w- always works with air as air for the most part. So um, I yep. think, you know, from that standpoint, that's very, very cool stuff. Uh, Angus, I, I appreciate your time here today. Um, <clears throat> love 
love that uh, you know your insights here, and um, you know we'd love to have you come back on at some point um, when we actually um, you know have uh, something that's that's a uh, very very pointed that we could ask you that you could you could help us out with if that's all right. Definitely, yeah. I've had a fantastic time. Thanks very much for inviting me on the podcast. Really enjoyed it. Um, oh, yeah, it was fascinating what you were talking about, man. I'm kind of blew me away. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about everything you were saying, trying to process all of it. But yeah, it's pretty cool. No, very, very great, good stuff, um, guys, girls. Um, if you need aerodynamic help, there's no better person um, than than uh, our our guest we've got on right now, um, the great Angus Locke. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it. All right. As we hit the mile per hour cone, we have, again, two things to talk about, which, man, I would not have uh, even thought of covering when we initially started talking about the Fast Brackets podcast. But... uh, First things first, we have talked a little bit about one of the deadliest races of all time, the Isle of Man. That is a motorcycle race um, that is uh, on an island. Guys, girls, here's how this thing works. It is a seven or sorry, a 32 mile course around this island, around the big mountain, up against the edge of cliffs and through the middle of these little towns. They run that. 32 miles or 33 miles in about 17 minutes. So think think through that. The average speed is well over 120 miles an hour on a motorcycle, around curves, in the rain, you name it, people die. And uh, sadly, um, another competitor did lose his life this year in, in that race. But it did not stop the big dogs. It did not stop guys from absolutely going at it. Now there's um, all kinds of, there, there's several classes and I, I don't pretend to know all of these, but there's essentially um, an outright, which would be, you know, um, what you kind of run what you brung type thing. There is uh, what's called super bike, super sport, lightweight, uh, super stock sidecar. I mean, can you imagine doing doing that in a sidecar, JP? The being the ride along passenger. Get out of here. I mean, who's doing Man, that? Man, I, I said, <laughs> it, Google it and watch the videos, and y'all will see what we're talking about. These guys are absolutely crazy, but I'm not doing it on the bike or in the sidecar. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, the, so this this guy Peter Hickman, um, he. He set another um, lap record, um, and they do an average time, and you know they uh, or average mile per hour, and then the time. But he averaged one hundred and thirty six point three five miles an hour um, going around that course, and he outdid his twenty eight tee time um, that he he set the record last time. So you're talking about um, Peter Hickman, uh, Michael Dunlop is a another guy who won in uh, the six fifty class. Um, right up there. And I think these guys, you know, they ride several bikes, kind of like what we do when we go to divisionals and, you know, run a top sportsman and a whatever, top dragster or super gas or whatever, take several cars. And those guys do that. But it's absolutely insane. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And guess what? They set another record 
this year. So very, very cool. And right on cue, I think you can hear my neighbor ripping his Harley in the garage. Um, so did not plan that, but if if you can hear that on that's uh, my neighbor um, liking the motorcycle no. talk. I mean, it's insane. It's absolutely is insane. He, is he going to Isle of Man next season? Uh, no, that guy is not going to Isle of Man. I love him to death, but he is not going to Isle of Man. He's uh, um, anyway. Um, he, he if he just gets it out of the garage, I'll be happy. That's uh, that's what the if thing. we do a Isle of Indiana? <laughs> Owl, we just yeah. do. It. We There's, just do it on your street. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, he's got a big Harley, so I don't know if that would that would actually work. But um, all right, moving on. The other thing that happened this week, which is super cool, is we we talked about it early. The GT cars love Le Mans. Um, so NASCAR got one of their um, you know NASCARs to compete in the experimental division and so there's no winning that class I mean, you can there's not really a winner or loser you just do it to to prove what you can do and the nascar car outran the gt cars by about four seconds in in their lap now i don't know a lot about Le Mans. i i truthfully um our previous guest angus probably knows a lot more about that but um obviously it is a true test of motorsports, you got to run that car at the rev limiter for 24 hours, right? And uh, Ford versus Ferrari is a great movie that kind of you know uh, gives you a feel for that if you've seen that movie. But the fact that NASCAR put a car over there, and the fact that they let it rip like that and gave such a show, it's impressive. Like I'm I'm fired up for what could be moving forward there. Yeah, that's that's very very interesting. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought it. I mean, I know the the average the average Winston Cup. Oops, I'm sorry, not Winston Cup. I did not mean to say that. <laughs> the average NASCAR <laughs> probably has a little bit more horsepower than the average GT car. But you would think that the average GT car would out out corner it. Um, apparently, the guys over at NASCAR proved everybody wrong. And I mean, they do run road courses from time to time, so. Um, it's not like they don't have a handle on it, but I wouldn't have thought that it would have beat a GT car like that. Yeah, uh, I didn't even realize that that was in the plan, but I think there is some thought about marketing NASCAR internationally, and that probably helps the cause from that. But but I just do think it's cool that in probably a group of a lot of turbo V6s, a V8 went over there and absolutely put the coals to them. I mean, just just put it to them. So... Um, obviously some rule changes and things like that from the GT class to what the NASCAR ran, but essentially that that's what they were running is the GT class and very, very cool. It's a different sound and, um, man, you gotta like some American muscle over there. You just gotta like it. Yeah. Gotta, gotta love it. Go over there and just, uh, whoop up on them and, and show them we invented horsepower. So, um, Right, exactly. And you know, at some point, they, you know, it was coming down the back stretch, and, you know, the announcer said, it's a drag race. And so we know, we know that was the best part of it. It's every other form of racing is basically a drag race with a whole lot of other stuff in front of it until it gets to the end, because that's what it comes down to. It's so true. Every time it comes down to that last straight. You never finish in the curve. 
and you no. never finish in the turn. That's it's right. always that last straight, and it's always a drag race when there's two people that are running close. So it's basically uh, oval track racing, road racing. It's basically a prolonged drag race. That's right. That's exactly right. We like it. We like NASCAR having a great showing over there. We like uh, the Isle Man competitors uh, giving it a rip. And uh, man, very cool stuff. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. JP, let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 117. And there it is. There's the wind light and the sweet, sweet sound. God, it's so good. JP, it's so good. Every single time. A girl, Laura. Man, and if you haven't, you gotta go back and listen to why we play it. If if you're new to the show, I mean, please go back. uh, Episode 11, I believe, is what it is. Go back, way back to the archives. Listen to episode 11, why we play Glory. It's the best ever. Um, So do that, and then give us some thoughts on Facebook or whatever, because I I think you will appreciate that. Um, JP, we did it. We we. We threw a little bit of curveball, right? We didn't go straight. We went had a road course edition this this episode. But man, how fun was it? How fun was this episode? Oh, awesome, man. I mean, uh, um, just awesome. Um, Angus Lock, man. What can you say? Uh, you can tell that's a that's a very sharp guy right there. Um, just very very interesting work that that guy did. Yeah, that's that's one of those things where guys, girls, we should really like. If you have questions, let's bring him back on because he's very, very sharp and willing to help. Like he, that's what I've noticed about him immediately was that you know, willing to answer questions and you know uh, do that type of stuff. So, man, we cannot thank Angus enough for coming on. He's a very cool guy, very smart guy, and I would love to have a reason to have him back on. Actually. And then, and then, of course, yeah. Victoria comes on and absolutely kills it with the single cylinder report. We love that. She was awesome again, and we we're going to root like crazy for her this weekend, and she goes to the PDRA. Um, and then a little bit of housekeeping here. Guys, girls, please go on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave a, you know, leave a review. I don't even care what it says. Say, uh, you know, you know uh, let me out of the trunk. Um, hey, these guys are terrible. I, I don't know. Whatever. Just type something because, uh, JP, what should they type? What should they type? Yo, that would be... Don't say we're terrible. They should <laughs> say the, tell the, tell the truth. <laughs> say that we, we've got the best podcast that talks about top sportsmen and top dragster. We are worldwide, <laughs> baby. Worldwide. <laughs> and, and that's just a fact. Um, <laughs> I also like the... We want to send a shout out to Jeff Milnick. Jeff's battling some health issues right now, so uh, just want to let let Jeff know, you know, we're rooting for you, buddy, and um, hope everything goes good for you. And we got you in our thoughts and our prayers. Yeah, absolutely. Get better, Jeff. Um, guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down. And travel safe.
Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing.